Ideas matter. If you believe the grand scheme of evolution, then the murder of the most innocent of persons is not only a valid option, but is a matter of duty for those who are too poor or too sick or simply pregnant at the wrong time. The recent Doritos commercial showing a baby in utero trying to get at his dad's chips at the ultrasound appointment. (laughs) Glad you know what I'm talking about. Brilliantly and correctly, though tongue-in-cheekedly. Did you get that? That's a word. It brilliantly portrayed the personhood of the fetus. And the absurd condemnation of the commercial by Nayral because it personifies the fetus only made me want to buy Doritos and ridicule the evil organization. Now, seriously though, the condemnation by Nayral is a completely understandable reaction. Though absurd, it is a natural extension of the idea that we and everyone and everything else is just a collection of matter and energy otherwise known as naturalistic materialism, is the idea that Carl Sagan gave us, the cosmos is everything that is or was or ever will be. If we are indeed only so much stardust, then purging a uterus of a mass of tissue so a woman does not give birth to whatever a human being gives birth to, really doesn't matter. All that matters is our, that our poles are up and that our pocketbook is filled. Now, you may think that this kind of materialism is a relatively new phenomenon. Alas, it is not. There is nothing new under the sun. Democritus and Epicurus in the 4th century BC were materialists and it was common back in those days to expose unwanted children. Their beliefs were surprisingly close to those of modern philosophical materialists minus, you know, the modern atomic theory and the Hubble telescope. But why am I bringing all this up in a sermon on Matthew 16, which doesn't even mention babies? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because while they put a finer veneer on their philosophy, the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees is in fact practical atheism. It is a whitewashed materialistic tomb void of life and literally filled with dead men's bones. Instead of following in their footsteps, you and I must live by the power of Christ. You see, the Pharisees and Sadducees emptied Yahwism of power 
standing as they did on tradition and outward ritual. Their materialism wasn't particularly scientifically sophisticated, but it was founded in the same atheistic spirit. Matter and man's opinion about that matter were all that they cared about. Holding on to power as we talked a couple of weeks ago in terms of who has the right to interpret Scripture and who gets to be right once the argument starts. This may not sound like the same argument as those of our modern evolutionists, but to the materialist, whatever hobby horse you like to ride on is more important than really understanding what the living God is saying to you and to me right now. We need to understand whether it's in a quote-unquote scientific cloak or it's in a religious cloak, materialism is ultimately a denial of God. Now, materialism is at the heart of this false belief because the Pharisees and Sadducees, as we'll see, really did not expect God to show up. And they certainly did not expect Him to show up in the form of a carpenter from some backwater town. And what you and I need to understand as we get into Matthew 16 is that Christianity is the opposite of materialism. Now, we believe in science. We believe, as the materialists do, that there is matter and energy. And we believe there is something else. Namely, information. Information in the DNA of every living being which directly points to, is very good evidence for what we as Christians and Jews before us have always believed. There is a personal, spiritual intelligence that organized matter and energy and made from it everything that exists. And this understanding, my friend, will make atheism and materialism and evolutionism permanently inconsistent with a biblical worldview. Now, let me lay my cards on the table as we prepare to get into this. The problem that Jesus is addressing when He's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, the, the issue that Jesus wants to get at the heart at is that the Pharisees don't actually believe that God makes any difference. They don't believe that living according to His promises, God's promises, makes any difference whatsoever in life. They were practical atheists even though they wore a religious vest. Now don't get me wrong. The Pharisees were holy. They could obey a blue streak. Remember last Sunday, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me? Yeah, these are the same people. So what is it that actually enables you and I in contrast to the Pharisees and Sadducees, to live according to God's promises and not simply by the willpower that makes us a dead 
legalists, which is just another form of materialism. And that's easy. Christ in you. The hope of glory. See where Paul says this. To them, his saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now today's passage is all rebuke. And so we need to get our point as we're reading this passage, the opposite of what Jesus is saying is wrong with these atheistic religious leaders. We must live by the power of Christ. So let's get to our passage and see how Jesus deals with these religious materialists. Matthew chapter 16, verses 1-4. through four. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. And evil... An adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. Now note, the Sadducees and the Pharisees did not like each other. In fact, they didn't agree on anything except getting rid of this guy, Jesus. And we see it that political enemies will join to fight a common cause. But in this case, what is this common cause that they're fighting for? Well, the obvious answer to that question is they have a relatively comfortable position in their society. But there's something here deeper than that. Their entire way of looking at life The universe and everything is being threatened by a carpenter from a backwater town in a backwater part of a backwater nation. Now, the Sadducees, for example, were straightforward in their anti-supernatural bent. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They did, however, believe in the power of the Roman army. They did believe in the power of holding something over Pilate so he would owe them favors. They were materialists because they lived by their sight and not by their faith. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were also materialists. Oh, to be sure, they wore the respectable cloak of religiosity. They shouted their prayers from the rooftops and they found the best seats in the synagogues. Which, by the way, Baptists, the best seats were right up here up front. (laughs) Just just saying, just saying is all. But when it came to understanding and recognizing the power of God working through Christ, they decidedly blinded themselves. It's one thing to pray for and ask God to bless it may very well be an entirely another thing to be happy about that blessing when it comes. So the question is, 
What is it that they are asking of Jesus? What is this sign um, that they're trying to get Jesus to do for them? Well, a sign is exactly what it sounds like. They're asking Jesus to prove... They're asking Jesus for proof that He is who He says He is. The Pharisees are just simply trying to trip Jesus up. They wanted Jesus to fall on His face and to be discredited in front of the people so that they would be able to laugh at Him. Proof, however, is notoriously hard to come by because we have deceitful hearts. And our hearts can allow us to interpret facts just about any way we want to do it. And a materialist, by definition, doesn't believe in miracles. So all that they would do is mock Jesus for whatever it was that he did in his quote-unquote miracle. They won't believe even if they see because they exclude the possibility before they get started. Now, is that an extreme position or what? Yes, but case in point. Notice what happened just a few chapters ago. Jesus wants the Pharisees to understand what they see. The Messiah is already here. He is already at work. He is already doing what Isaiah and the other prophets said he would be doing. He says you can interpret the weather, but you can't interpret the times. What times, Jesus? Matthew 11, 5-6. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Clearly, clearly, this is evidence that God the Father has sent the Messiah in a far more convincing manner than any red clouds in the morning or night. So, because of their willful blindness, Jesus promises them they won't recognize any miraculous sign. Even the sign of Jonah, the sign of Jesus dying on the cross and three days later rising from the dead. Now my brothers and sisters, let me talk to us for a second. How many of us have ever asked God for a sign? You know what? I want to encourage us. My, I'm talking to myself here as well. I want to encourage us. Don't ask for a sign when you're struggling to believe. When you struggle, and believe me, we all struggle to have faith from time to time. As sure as you have a pulse. When you struggle, ask instead for God's presence. Paul commands us, we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by, God, give me my latest toy that I want. God, answer this particular prayer in this particular way or else I won't believe. We are falling back into our old patterns of materialism when we live by sight. I tell those who come into my office, (laughs) I tell myself when I'm struggling, that the best solution to struggling with faith is to go 
to the Gospels. Read, drink the living water, eat the living bread. In fact, last night, <laughs> I got up late and I was, I was reading and this is the verse that came to me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. My friends, this, letting the word of Christ dwell within you richly, is how you live by the power of Christ. Now, we also know Jesus being the wisest person who has ever lived, understood that his friends and you and I would struggle with materialism. We would struggle with this practical atheism as if God isn't alive and active in whatever this circumstance you're in is. So, Jesus took his friends aside and he explained the conversation he just had with the Pharisees. And this is what he said. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive... Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh. Let's see if I can do this again. What is it about the Pharisees' teaching that made them demand a sign? Their teaching, the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees, denied the active work of God. Their teaching was materialistic. Their view of the world, at least as it pertained to Jesus, is, use the word Paul used, fleshy. It, it, it is natural. But Christians, you are supernaturalists. You believe in the God of creation. You believe in the God who made the universe and made your soul. I struggle from time to time with doubting that God can come through to save the people that I love. I come from very often doubt that God can really work in someone's life. But I tell you what, I come back to this. If God can save my father's son, he can save anyone. And you my brother and sister, hold on to this. Your child that is wandering away from God, God can bring him or her back. Your dad, who apparently, humanly speaking, has no chance. Well, humanly speaking, he doesn't have any chance. 
but we are supernaturalists. We are the God who, we are the people who believe that God can come through. Furthermore, you and I can't give the Pharisees and Sadducees too hard of a time because we also remember that we are bent in the direction of materialism. We are all shaped by the mold of the world in which we live. Now, in the case of the disciples, they're a materialistic bent. They took Jesus' plain teaching, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and lived as if it merely meant bread. Now, now this is really important. I want you to catch this. Obviously, at this point, the disciples were believers. They belonged to Jesus. I'm not talking about Judas Iscariot here. And yet, while they were believers, they were struggling with materialistic thinking. Don't walk away from here thinking, I'm not an evolutionist. I'm not materialistic. I don't, I don't support murdering babies in the womb. I'm not a materialist. Because Paul commands us in Romans chapter 12 to renew our minds so that we would not be shaped by this world. And our minds become older by the minute as we revel in things of the world. Whenever we set our heart's joy on a sporting event or an award show saying, hooray for my side, or whenever we value stuff or esteem over relationships, whenever we value me time over time spent getting to know Jesus and getting to know His people. Now, again, this is tricky, so I need you to hear me closely here. You cannot earn favors from God. Your quiet time, your Bible reading, your fellowship with believers, your witnessing, none of this earns a scrap from God. Okay, we need, we need to establish this. You are either acceptable to God through the sacrifice of Christ or you are not acceptable. And when you do what Jesus calls acts of righteousness instead of scheming to get your me time, you are doing at least two things. One is you're teaching your heart to love Jesus and trust Him. You're doing exactly as the Scripture teaches you to do and you're putting that inside your heart so that you can be closer to Him. And the second is you are strengthening your enjoying God muscles. How does this work out? You know what? Sometimes it's so much easier just to turn on the tube or start flipping through your Facebook than it is to actually go and get a good, meaty book that will encourage your soul. Am I the only person who's ever struggled with that? Okay, I am. Okay, I, I got a couple of yes. <laughs> Lying next week. <laughs> um, but you're strengthening your I'm going to enjoy God muscles when you make this decision. And this is exactly the opposite of what the Pharisees and Sadducees were doing. They would pray at the drop of a dime, wherever they were. Hey, makes me look good. Or they would come and forward and sit in the front seats of the synagogue. Makes me look good. But that's just materialism. That is just looking at the world as man looks at it. 
And Jesus knows that we are nothing but dust. And so he reminded his friends that they had already been given a sign. Don't you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Don't you remember the feeding of the 4,000? What's the message of these feedings? Material supply or want of it will never hinder Jesus' ability to bless His people whenever and wherever they are. God the Father is at work through God the Son incarnate and God the Son who dwelt among us and is one of us who brought us near so that we could experience the power of the kingdom of God at the tips of our fingers. My friends, live by the power of Christ. Trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Walk by the Spirit of Christ. Abide in Christ. All of these are metaphors that point to the reality that God shows Himself to be a miraculous provider for those who depend upon Him for miracles. Do you need strength? Depend upon Him for miracles. Do you need courage? Step up in spite of your fears. Depend on the God who miraculously provides courage. Now, Paul knew that there were religious materialists in his day, and he knew that there would be in ours. He said, understand this, that in the last days there would come times of difficulties, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. That is an important phrase. The people described here by Paul in these verses are not the people that we find in the local federal prison. The people that Paul is describing in these verses are those religious hypocrites who are actually atheists in their actions. That is who Paul tells us to avoid. The godless, you can't but help run into them. You should be running into them so that you can show them what it looks like to live for Jesus. But it's those who are in the church that we need to avoid. You wonder, with um, Donald Guthrie, he rightly points out that the religious leaders described in the Matthew passage have a religion that's not even intended to function. It's just meant to be a show. Their function of their religion is maintaining traditions and their own power over the people. And today, many religious leaders have the same goal. Buy me a multi-million dollar jet. These are those who have the appearance of godliness. They make a good show, but they deny that that godliness has any power. Send your money. Instead of believing 
that the Holy Spirit will come and empower those who depend upon the Holy Spirit to come and empower them. So what's the solution to materialism? How do you and I put to death our natural bent towards materialism? Again, live by the power of Christ. Very first verse I ever preached at Grace Baptist Church. His, our Lord's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which power He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through these promises you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Continues. Second Corinthians. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. John 15.5, a favorite of at least a couple of you in this room, you've told me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So how can you and I avoid living like practical atheists who don't really expect God to show up? Who perhaps don't really want God to show up because God has a way of kind of getting in the way of what we want to do. Well, we live by the power of Christ. Now, there's at least a one or two of us who are thinking along the lines, what are you talking about, Pastor Greg? Um, we're perfectly happy to think about Jesus coming back to save us out of this mess that we're living in. We're glad to think about dying and going to the heavenly by and by. But do we really want God to show up and make changes where we are? Our agendas, our own pet ideas about how things should go? For some of us, that's a stretch. Live by the power of Christ. I want to challenge all of us. Today, that may mean for you to go back to the Gospels. Go back. See Jesus walking there with those who are just discovering Him for the first time. Pray and ask your Savior to show you Jesus so that you can know Him better because as you know Him better, you will love Him and trust Him more. The leaven of the earth is to think that God doesn't exist or that He really isn't interested in my attitudes or actions. And the surest cure for this is to go to Him in His Word and meet Him freshly every morning. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Remind yourself as often as you can that Jesus is willing and able to provide for you abundantly more even than you need. Then, when you meet someone for whom abortion is a live option, 
Love them with the love that God has given you. And you just may save three hearts that day. Lord Almighty, bless us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.